You're listening to Messy Jesus Business, a podcast about radical gospel living. Hey everyone, I'm Sister Julia Walsh, a writer, spiritual director, and jail minister living in Chicago. Welcome to The Mess. I've been blogging at MessyJesusBusiness.com since 2010. Messy Jesus Business, the blog, and now the podcast, explores how the mess of radical gospel living brings disciples into a life of struggle as we advocate for social justice, live simply, serve others, practice contemplation, and live in community. Now, on to our guest. Father James Martin is a Jesuit priest, editor-at-large of America, consultant to the Vatican's Dicastery for Communication, and author of many books, including the New York Times bestseller, Jesus, a Pilgrimage. His book, Learning to Pray, will be released in February 2021. My conversation with Father James explored vocational discernment and many other topics. I learned what attracted him to the Jesuits and what it was like for him to have a private audience with Pope Francis. We even get into the mess of polarities in the church and how diversity is a gift. And with his next book soon to be released, we talk about prayer and how tough prayer can be. Enjoy! Hi, Father James Martin. Welcome to Messy Jesus Business. Hello, Sister Julia Walsh. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so thankful that you took the time out of your busy schedule. I know you have a a lot of roles and ways that you serve God and God's people, uh, and and yet you made time to have a conversation with me and uh, share your wisdom with the Messy Jesus Business listeners. So, Well, my pleasure. I know you have a lot of different roles as well, in addition to this podcast. It's uh, very impressive. (laughs) Thank you so much. So I'm interested, sir. Um, How how did you become a Jesuit priest, an author, and an editor at large at America? You know, obviously, like, what's your whole life story? Really? What's the journey? How did you become the first in New York? What is my life story? Uh, Yes, a long answer, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it sort of focused. I mean, I grew up uh, in a town outside of Philadelphia called Plymouth Meeting. And, you know, I'm Catholic. I'm a baptized Catholic, and my parents are Catholic as well, as is my sister and the rest of my family. But I was not really super religious. I didn't go to Catholic schools. I didn't go to Catholic elementary school or high school. I, I went to the University of Pennsylvania, which is definitely not a Catholic school. <laughs> are there Catholics there? Um, I studied at the Wharton School of Business uh, because I really didn't, you know, I just thought, you know, you got to get a job, and that was it. Mm good business school. I took a job at GE and I was, you know, pretty happy. This is um, probably before you were born. Uh, I think it is before you were born, the early 80s. And when, when were you born? Can I ask? 81. There you go. So I was a, I was a junior in, in college. And so when you were uh, one year old, um, I took a job at GE in, in New York City. And, you know, I was there for six years and it was really exciting. You know, I was young. I'm in my 20s and doing all sorts of fun stuff that I probably shouldn't mention on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, eventually I started to think like, this just doesn't fit me. Like business is a real vocation for a lot of people, as you know. Um, 
and yet it just, I felt like a square peg in a round hole. And one night I turned on the TV and saw a documentary about Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk who I know you like as well. And um, that just got me started thinking about something else. Although I really, we were talking about our religious orders before we started this podcast. I, I had no idea what a religious order was. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I mean, people, people may not believe that, but I, I'll tell you something I don't tell too many people. I remember, you know, you have these kind of sense memories of being in a place. Um, I remember being in church, St. Leo's Church in Stamford, Connecticut, and looking at the parish bulletin. And on the front of the parish bulletin were all the names of the priests who were, whatever they called it, assisting or, you know, mm-hmm. helping out on Sunday. Um, and some of them had initials after their name, S-J-O-F-M-O-P. And I remember thinking, so here I am, I'm a college graduate, you know, I'm 25-year-old Catholic. And I remember thinking, those must be degrees. <laughs> sort of an MA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they went to some OP school or some yeah. SJ school or some OFM school. I had no clue. Right. And so I asked uh, the parish priest about becoming a priest after I read Merton's book. And he put me in touch with the Jesuits. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that, I, that just really fit me. I didn't do a whole lot of research. I don't know. Did you do a lot of research for different orders? I visited a lot of convents in college. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it felt kind of like, it, it felt very weird, you know, <laughs> like know. Try, kind of like trying to find a college, but this is uh, your life. And so <laughs> your life. that's pretty funny, right? It doesn't. Yeah. It's really hard to know how to discern well. And I think, um, just yesterday, I was in a conversation with a young woman and she was sort of asking me like, how do I do this? What yeah. things do I need to be doing? And yeah. really a person needs to just be themselves and figure out where they fit best. Right? I think that's totally right. And you're doing vocation work now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And right. I mean, where do you feel most at home? I mean, that's mm-hmm. basically it. And what are you attracted to? What appeals to you? So I found the Jesuits really appealing. I didn't do a whole lot of research. Uh, and you know, I, I'll fast forward. You asked about being editor at large. I went through my formation, which is long, um, two years in novitiate uh, in Boston, um, two years of philosophy studies in Chicago, two years of regency, and I worked with refugees in East Africa and a year at America, and then three or four years of theology, got ordained, and then was sent to America Magazine, um, now America Media. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I mean, I just, I mean, we've talked about this. I just, I love writing and that's mm-hmm. kind of a vocation within a vocation. And so, yeah, so I'm a Jesuit priest who also happens to write, not the opposite. I'm not a, I'm not a writer who happens to be a Jesuit. It's, it's the opposite. That's a nice um, way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause yeah. people sometimes say like, what's it like to be a writer? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing I do. Another way yeah. to serve God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And you have, you have another book coming out this spring. You've published several already on a lot of topics related to spirituality and uh, devotion and faith. One of my favorites of yours is My Life with the Saints. I love Thank that you. book. Yeah. Thanks. So um, would you want to talk a little bit about that book that's coming out? Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's called Learning to Pray. And um, it's the subtitle is really the point of the book, A Guide for Everyone. Mm. And it's basically, and I know you're a spiritual spiritual director as well. It's basically an introduction to prayer um, for everybody, uh, people who have never prayed before, to people who have, you know, may 
annual retreats and do 30-day retreats. And one of the things I talk about, which I think is really not discussed in most prayer books, is what happens when you pray? Mm-hmm. Like what happens when you actually close your eyes? Because as you know, so many books on prayer talk about, yes, and you know, you feel close to God. And people are like, what, are you, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the, the fruits of prayer and that, what, what are you talking about? Like mm. what actually happens and what's supposed to happen? And so I talk about emotions, insights, memories, desires, feelings, images, mm-hmm. words, and how to understand them. And so mm. it's, 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 it's how to pray, but it's also really, and I, I found that almost completely ignored, like what happens? Because a lot of books are really vague about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, then I felt this sense of God asking me, what does that mean? you know so what does that mean I hear voices and so it's really you know as you know as a director there's so many ways that God um, Mm -hmm. encounters us and it's really kind of unpacking that for the reader so I'm really excited about it Mm. yeah that sounds great I I look forward to reading it and probably recommending it to others too well I hope so and it's also there's lots about spiritual direction and you know look you know as a director all the things that I'm asked Mm -hmm. you know like distractions and what happens when prayer is dry and how do I know this is from God and not from me, right? That's a yeah. big one. Yeah. Um, wish fulfillment and discernment. So I'm really, mm-hmm. it's kind of everything I know about prayer yeah. Yeah. into this book. So you're taking the mystery of the contemplative life and making it practical. I'm trying to. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's, there's still going to be some mystery. Like why doesn't, you know, why is my prayer dry sometimes? But yeah, I guess when I entered the novitiate, you know, people would talk about, you know, and then I, you know, God said this to me and I thought, what, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, or when I was in the scripture scene, I felt that Jesus was inviting me to do this. And well, how, what do you, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of like the, you know, the thing that most people want to know, or they also think that their prayer is bad because you think everybody else just closed their eyes and some magical thing happens. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone else is secretly like levitating, <laughs> not telling about yes. it. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. And also that the saints just, they'll just close their eyes and snap their fingers. And then yeah. they're in instant communion with God who speaks to them. And it's perfectly understandable. And Wow. Yeah, that would so be dreamy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> I, I've not experienced that. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so it's learning to pray a guide mm-hmm. for everyone out in February. Great. Thank you. Another th- thing that I'm aware of in your work as, you know, an editor, as a writer, a Jesuit, a spiritual director, you are also doing this dance of being a public figure and really defending the gospel all the time. And I'm wondering for you, what is it really like to follow Jesus's teaching to love your enemies and mm-hmm. advocate for the marginalized uh, such as the LGBTQ uh, community, when you might be under attack at times. Like people make you out to be an enemy, even though you're not trying to make them out to be an enemy, right? I know. It's kind of weird. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I advocate for all people's lives. So the unborn, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously poor LGBT people, black men and women, refugees, migrants, you know, people who are vulnerable, basically. Yeah. And yeah, that, that stirs up a lot of hatred. Well, you know, it's funny, Julia, I, one of the gospel passages that I always go to is, believe it or not, the rejection at Nazareth, hmm. where Jesus stands up, as you know, in Nazareth and proclaims, basically proclaims himself as the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. And people are happy with him. And then they suddenly turn on him and they drive him out of Nazareth and want to kill him. I mean, it's, we, we mm-hmm. sometimes 
we downplay. They say we. They drove him to the brow of the hill where they wanted to throw him off. They wanted to kill him, basically. Right. Yeah. Throw him off a cliff. And I remember praying about this on a retreat, and I remember asking Jesus in my prayer. This is also part of the book, um, you know, imaginative prayer, and saying to Jesus in my prayer, you know, in my imagination, um, how were you able to do this? Because clearly he must have known what people were going to think. And the, the, the words that came to me, the words I imagined Jesus saying was, must everyone like you? You know, hmm. do, do you really need to be liked by everybody? And I, when I started to get pushback, especially from on this, especially as a result of this book on LGBT people, I thought about that. You know, I, not everybody can like me. And I'm certainly, I'm not challenging any church teaching. I'm not, you know, condemning any people. I'm just trying to say, we need to listen to LGBT people. And, you know, at the same time, we have to care for refugees and migrants. We have to advocate for the unborn. And look, if some people aren't going to like that, they're not going to like it. Hmm. It is, it is hard though. I mean, you know, at times, you know, you see even like a priest or a bishop coming out against me. It's, hmm. it's, it's difficult, but I think part of it is understanding not everyone's going to like me. Right. Yeah. Not everybody liked Jesus and he was a pretty nice guy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he upset the system. And sometimes when we're being faithful to Christ, we might have to disturb the status quo a little too. Yeah, I think what's, I think what's uh, surprising to me is the personal attacks. Mm. Like the, you're a heretic, you're an apostate, you're mm. a bad priest. And then all sorts of like homophobic comments. And I always think, you know, if I disagreed with someone, uh, you know, I might ask them a question or kind of rebut some argument that they might have online. I would never, ever say, you know, you're a terrible priest, you're a terrible brother, you're a terrible sister, you should leave the church. Never. I just never would do that. Right. And some people feel like they're prophets and this is what they get to do. But mm. one, of the one of the words I think we need to recover uh, in Catholic theology is sometimes people are just mean. Mm. <laughs> well, I've been thinking a lot lately about the nature of evil, to, mm. to be honest. And we don't use that word very much anymore. But um, I, I wonder if we might want to, and it might be healthy for our church to name evil and to call it. And, but yeah, evil's nature, isn't it, to, is to confuse and to divide. Yeah. And that's a lot of what, what is happening um, but it, so it sounds like you you remain grounded and in full of grace and able to sort of have a healthy understanding of what's really yeah. going on. And yeah, and also I don't I don't engage it too much. Mm -hmm. right? So I mean, there are a couple. It's it's also look, ninety percent of the people are very supportive and welcoming and you know grateful and loving and uh, it's you know it's obviously the ten percent of the five percent that you tend to focus on. But mm -hmm. I try not to focus on them and. I never attack someone, uh, uh, you know, sort of directly um, or mm -hmm. even attack them at all. Um, you know, I might respond to something, but I would never say this person's a bad Catholic. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people think that about me. And, you know, part of it is just being, you know, okay with that and saying not everyone's mm -hmm. going to like me. And mm -hmm. now that's within the church. Outside the church, it's a lot easier. I mean, if people mm -hmm. don't like me because of my pro-life stance, then I say, look, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. This is, this is who I am. And, I'm not doing it to condemn any people. I'm just talking about how I feel about life and the same with LGBT people. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to raise them up and mm -hmm. invite people to treat them with respect like the catechism says. So, um, but you know, even uh, last year I met with the Pope and um, you know, a, sort of a sign of his support. 
people didn't like that either. So, you know, he, he you know, it's the same people that, that don't like the Pope. So, you know, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, right, right. Oh my goodness, what a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. And maybe I should ask you, I wasn't planning to. So, so what's Papa Francesco really like? <laughs> well, I can say, yeah, I'm really, I'm happy to talk about it. I, there, he asked me not to talk about the details of the meeting. Um, That's fair. But, you know, so he could speak more freely, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. want to kind of report it. But I can say this, um, we talked for half an hour about LGBT Catholics and mm-hmm. LGBT people. He was extremely open. Um, I'll say one thing at the beginning of the conversation, um, someone said to me, well, you know, he has invited you to an audience. So you, this was the etiquette, which makes sense. You ask him what he'd like to talk about, right? You don't go in just, you know, with your agenda. And I said, Holy Father, there was a translator there. Mm -hmm. I said, Holy Father, after actually, he was a lot of fun. I gave him a a note from my nephew who was taking Francis as a confirmation name. Oh. And he wrote him a note on the spot, which was funny. We did, we just had a, a good time. Mm. And then I said, what would you like to talk about? And he opened his arms and said, what would you like to talk about? Oh. And so I talked about LGBT Catholics and, but um, so, and he was very open and warm and I felt totally inspired and supported and consoled. Here's the thing. I, I did not feel nervous at all mm-hmm. because he's so warm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, why was I not nervous? First of all, I'd heard so many people who, you know, are friends of mine who know him much better than I do mm-hmm. say he's a great guy, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're going to love him. So that, that made me feel comfortable. Second, um, I'm a Jesuit and he's a former Jesuit provincial. And so there's that connection. And third, I didn't go in with any um, kind of expectation. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to be the voice of LGBT people. I, I, you know, I wasn't going there to kind of convince him of something or to get him to sign something sure. or, you know, or debate with him. So I didn't, I wasn't really nervous, but I could have been there all day. He's really warm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really, he laughs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. made some jokes. He corrected my Spanish a couple of times. <laughs> That's good. Uh-huh. Um, just yeah. really, just but friendly, you know, like yeah. all smiles. One thing I do want to say is, um, you know, it's the first time and maybe the last time I'll ever meet a Pope, but on TV and in, uh, on camera, sometimes you see pictures of him at, at mass and at prayer services where he looks really dour and gloomy, mm. really, you know, kind of mm. somber and, and almost morose and, Sometimes I see him on TV and I say, oh my gosh, he looks terrible, right? Mm. In person, he's completely different. Huh. He's, he's lively and funny and laughing. And when I was over there, I was there for the, um, what is it called? The uh, consistory where a friend of mine, Michael Cherney, was made a cardinal, a Jesuit. And I'd just seen him the week before where he was laughing and friendly. And then he comes out all somber. And a friend of mine said, yeah, that's his face during the liturgy. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. He's really serious. Uh, And Mm. so I think sometimes Mm. when you see him, you think, oh, he must be, Mm. must feel terrible. But Mm. no, but so really warm and wonderful and welcoming. Interesting. Maybe you'll have to add a chapter to your book about like what our face does when we're praying deeply. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And I can feel all about it. You know, I tell you, if I I looked like that during mass, people would say, oh, you know, he's really mad about something. Right, right. He does have that very Intense. somber mm-hmm. but you know that's that's just who he is yeah yeah that's beautiful hmm wow 
This is great. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I feel like you gave us a little inside peek to the Vatican. <laughs> My pleasure. And it was a lot, it was exciting. And, you know, I'd never been inside the Apostolic Palace, you know, like yeah, that. Wow. Um, they bring you up into different throne rooms and you wait and, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting. It's really mm. exciting. And it's a little unreal, hmm. but, but he really just put me at my ease. That's great. great. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So your life of following Jesus has brought you to all sorts of interesting places and and I, and I expect that to continue if I may say so. And I'm wondering for you, what, uh, how Jesuit spirituality and the, maybe even the gospels more generally inform your, your discipleship. Oh, like, like a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The center of my life, um, is Jesus really, and and relationship with Jesus, and thinking about Jesus, sometimes writing about Jesus, praying with Jesus, uh, and so the Gospels. I know for different people, it's it's different. It, you know, a lot of people, it's the Spirit, right, um, or mm-hmm. the Father, right, um, or God, the Creator. Mm-hmm. And but for me, it really is focused on Jesus, which makes sense because mm-hmm. I'm in the Society of Jesus. And Ignatian spirituality is the way in which I encounter Jesus. So it's, it's the means, which, you know, for example, Ignatian contemplation and the examination of conscience, finding God in all things. Um, yeah, so it really, you know, I, I often say to people that when I entered the Jesuits, it was about what they did, mm. right? So like if, if, if someone said, oh, you can be a writer and a Jesuit priest, I'd say, oh, that's, you know, that's a great, you know, like career in a sense, right? I'd like to do that. Um, but more it's, it's who they are. I'm mm. sure you feel the same way. You probably yeah. looked at the sisters and said, oh, they do all these great ministries, but, Definitely. you know, it's obviously the Franciscan spirituality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is also very Christ-centered. So. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And by and the way, congratulations on Pope Francis constantly using Francis of Assisi. I know, right? <laughs> Lucky us. <laughs> I know. He could, he, could, he could be holding up your Ignatian spirituality all the time. <laughs> I know. Although it's funny, when he was named, when he took the name Francis, uh, there was all this speculation mm-hmm. among the Jesuits, you know, is that Francis Xavier? Right. Uh, or is it Francis of Assisi? And, and early on, uh, I remember someone saying, oh, well, it's both, obviously. And he came out and said, no, it's Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know. There's a, this lovely priest here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, next to our, uh, my community's mother house, uh, an OFM order of Friars Minor priest. Mm. You gotta gotta give the initials, right? So he's a Franciscan, and when he prays for the Pope at, at Matt, every Mass, it's always Papa Francesco, and he says it with like great joy. All these, I mean, how many years into it now are we? Um, oh, I know. What is it? Know. Six, seven? Yeah, and I mean, it's just been a, a, a I don't know, a windstorm in the church. <laughs> well, he said, you know, making a mess. Uh, but, you know, I think it's pretty genius of him, mm. the Jesuit Pope who chooses Francis. Yeah. That, that's, that's a really, when you think about it, and then you think of something like, well, Laudato Si, and then most recently, you know, a week or two ago, Fratelli Tutti, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking his, really taking his inspiration from Francis of Assisi in a way that I'm not sure that, I mean, obviously he was very devoted to the poor, that I'm not sure that he had before. You know, mm-hmm. it was more Ignatian spirituality, but it is, it is beautiful. You know that the line, apparently what happened was, and I'm not sure if he's a Franciscan, a Cardinal Umes, I think you say, I think that's how you say it from, okay. from Brazil. I think it's H-U-M-M-E-S. I think it's Umes. 
Okay. Who was a great disciple of the poor. Apparently, right after Francis um, was named, uh, Cardinal Umes, Claudia Umes, I believe it's Brazil, hmm. uh, like immediately after he was elected, he leaned over and said, don't forget the poor. Amen. And so Amen. that's that, I, I'm, you know, I think that's where Francis came from. There's Amen. so many uh, other brothers and sisters in our church. I want to whisper that too, <laughs> strategically, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, some, <laughs> some I want to shout it to. Yeah, <laughs> right. I know. Oh, it's so, so easy to forget the poor. And it's, it's just, it's shocking to me. I, mm. I sometimes, I sometimes will, you know, quote stuff from the gospels about the least of our brothers and sisters or something mm -hmm. from Catholic social teaching and people, they, they, they take offense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised when I started the Messy Jesus business blog 10 years ago and um, you know, 10 years? yeah, I've been, I've been going a little while. The, the podcast only started this year, oh, but the blog, um, right, the blog, blog. Yeah. yeah. So the, and you know, and I was just starting out writing, I was just experimenting and it was totally uh, like, I don't know if anyone's going to read this, if I try this out thing. And I wrote a post around Christmas and I just, you know, you used to be able to insert this little poll, like, um, and I did like a pop quiz because I was teaching high school at the time. Jesus was poor, true or false? And I mean, to me, it's like a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, but people wanted to debate it in the comments. And, yeah, and then you will find people who, yeah. it's funny, I was just writing about this, who will, who, who don't want to hear it. And, oh. you know, look, Nazareth was a tiny town. Jesus was a carpenter. And they will fight tooth and nail to tell you, no, he was middle class. And it's like, look, you know, back then, um, it, especially kind of considering the way we live, he would have been considered what we consider poor, right? right? And he's not, he's not educated, he's not wealthy, he's not born in your ruling class. People really have a hard time with that because if he's poor and if he's marginal, right? Uh, mm -hmm. What does that say about how we treat the poor? But I mean, yeah. okay, so even if you say, which I don't believe that he wasn't poor, he spent most of his time with the poor in his public ministry, and he's constantly talking about the poor. You can't deny that. Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. it's hard. I mean, he's he's a, you know, he's he's a sign of contradiction even now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a Franciscan uh, who values the continual call to conversion, I recognize I'm probably much more open to things that make me a little uncomfortable or disturbed because then that helps me to gain a greater self-awareness or challenges me to growth. Um, but I recognize not everyone uh, embraces that value. And so there's a lot of defensiveness that, that just sort of gets riled up in people. That's yeah. a good insight. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, we're also used to, you and I, having spiritual direction, going on retreats, being right. formed and being challenged. And, you know, not to make us, you know, like we're perfect. I mean, it is continual conversion, but there is, I think, I think there is, always an emphasis in religious formation um, and hopefully in Christian formation on being challenged yeah yeah and being stretched and and really looking at yourself and taking a you know I think what the Alcoholics Anonymous they call fearless moral inventory hmm. but you know there's and you know I'm sure you know in religious life there's people that are shut down too yeah exactly right? yeah I always tell I always tell the um, the guys who see me for spiritual direction who are in formation, that there's two levels of formation. There's the visible level, which is what, you know, you see in the brochure, right? <laughs> you know, novitiate, vows, studies, you know, for us, ordination, that kind of stuff, ministry. 
And then there's the invisible level, which is what you're talking about, just kind of being open to conversion and change mm. on a very deep level. And sometimes in religious life, people are open to the visible level, but not the invisible level. Mm. And mm. it's, you know, I mean, you know, getting disappointments and being ministered to a place you don't want to go to and psychological challenges and family stuff and health problems. And, you know, I mean, that's not in the brochure, but that's just as important in terms of one's formation. And you're right. Are you open to letting God form you or not? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as you say that the invisible and the visible types of formation in the way, yeah, we are a work in progress. God is constantly creating us. It's not like God just spit us out at the start. Right. right? I, I like that image too. God spitting us yeah. out. Like, <laughs> Made another. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, we're, we're really right. the, the clay and, you know, the potter's hands. And so mm. I'm, so I'm wondering, like, is that what discipleship is? Is that, or what is discipleship for you? I think that's part, I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's, you know, the great, you know, come after me, right? As mm. he says, you know, for I will make you fishers of people. Um, it's, well, here's, here's the thing. Actually, I'll answer that, it's the same thing. Um, you know, I, I love going back to the Greek, you know, and I don't think you need to be this great Greek scholar to just like look at the words. And in the Greek, it's, it's come after me and I will, the word is poeo, I will make you fishers of people. Hmm. So he's creating something new. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Like we usually think, come after me and you will be, or I'll like assign you, you right, know, right. or come after me in order that you will be and you will fulfill this role. No, I will make you. Hmm. And it's creation. So following him is also being willing to be recreated by him. Mm-hmm. which is so beautiful. And that's where the word, I mean, I, I, I learned this when I was doing that Jesus, the pilgrimage book, the word poeo, I think, or poeine, I guess, is where poetry comes from. Mm. You know, I will, I will make you, you know, it's like, come after me and I will make you a Franciscan sister. Yeah. That's the idea. And, and that's a, that's a lifelong process. And it's mm-hmm. also, you don't, I mean, as you know, <laughs> you don't become a, you don't become a sister the day you enter. You don't even become a sister the day you take vows. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it is this ongoing formation. And I don't think it, I mean, if you're open to it, it doesn't ever end. Mm. It shouldn't end. And that's the same for Christians. Mm. You know, every Christian is called to be formed like that. Mm. So discipleship is like this ongoing formation, God making us over and over. Yeah. And, and, also, and also responding. So it's not, mm-hmm. I would say it's, you know, Interestingly, what, what he's making, you know, are people who are disciples. It's not, we just don't sit in our room and say, oh, I'm now, I'm being formed and it's for my own good. I mean, he, you know, fishers of people, I mean, they're, they're, they're active. It's, it's, in, it's in order that you do something. Um, Dan Harrington, who was my New Testament professor at Weston, who I just, did you know him at all? Or? No, but I've read some of his stuff, yeah. I just loved him. He said that all of Romans can be summarized in one sentence, which I love, and is freed from sin, death, and the law, freed for life in the spirit. And so when God is forming us, it's, it's for something. Hmm. It's, it's, it's an order that we would, you know, it's not instrumental, but it is, you know, he's creating disciples. Yeah. So we're building up the kingdom and we're yeah. proclaiming so the good just, news and right. Going out. And the so works, just, works of mercy. Right. Okay. Right. It's active. It's not like Jesus is saying, you know, come after me and I will make you happy people. Right, or holy. Right, you <laughs> Even know, which holy. is great. Yeah. You know, but it's not like you're just going to sit in your room and 
Capernaum and yeah. be happy. I mean, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, you're good. You're going to go out and and be disciples and mm-hmm. and it's it's act follow me. You know, it's it's literally he literally meant like walking along the road too. Mm. Amen. Right. Got it. Thanks. So good. for you, <laughs> so for you, uh, good old Father Jim, Father James, um, what is messy for you about all this? Oh, that people don't <laughs> that people don't agree all the time. Mm. I would say right now i think in the church okay so i'm 60 years well i'll be 60 this year um i don't think i've ever i've been a jesuit 30 years i've never seen it so divided Hmm. i mean i just i cannot believe it it's It's stunning to me that you have even some cardinals and archbishops and bishops opposing the pope i mean look under john paul and benedict the ones i remember the most i mean i was alive under i mean i was like a baby when John the 23rd and Paul the 6th, I was like a little, uh, you know, like a schoolboy. But, you know, under John, under John Paul and Benedict, I mean, you know, there were disagreements and people, you know, okay, I disagree and I'm going to write this article, I'm going to write this book. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were even some theologians who were silenced. And, um, but this kind of wholesale opposition mm-hmm. to, the public, mm-hmm. to the Pope um, is just shocking to me. And, mm-hmm. and again, the, the personal attacks, the ad hominem stuff, you know, I mean, I've really gotten a lot of it. And people have said to me that they can't attack Francis, so they attack you. Mm. Um, it's shocking. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it, it, you know, they're supposed to know us by our love. Yeah. And I don't think it's a really good, yeah. it's, it's not really a good um, sign for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I just, you know, in St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises, he always says, give people the benefit of the doubt, hmm. <clears throat> benefit of the doubt. And I, I try to, and it's, it's, yet there are people who don't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. I know there's been a lot of stuff in your diocese right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just shocking that the mm-hmm. personal attacks are just amazing to me. So that's messy. And the key is to try to be charitable, to never attack people, you know, personally, to give them the benefit of the doubt, but also to keep preaching the gospel. Yeah, we never, uh, we don't grow tireless in proclaiming the good news. And the good news is that God loves everybody. God is the judge. We aren't the judge, (laughs) right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it is, it's really, it's a really painful time. And, and I, I hope and pray, and I know you do too, that, that uh, we can reconcile our differences and grow to really appreciate the diversity and recognize yes. that the diversity is actually what enriches the church and yeah, makes and the church Catholic. That yeah. is the one holy Catholic apostolic. So the oneness and the Catholicity are both dependent on our diversity. But I don't know if these, <laughs> I wonder if you asked Catholics, is diversity an important part of our church? I really wonder how many people would say yes. Mm-hmm. And if they know that Catholic means that, means universal, means everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just shocking. But, but you know, to get back to your point about you know, the judging, mm-hmm. I think one of the most controversial things that I tweet whenever it comes up in the gospels, every, every morning I do like a little uh, gospel tweet, like a mini homily. The most controversial, well, there's a couple controversial things that are right from the guy. If I say judge, don't judge people, people cannot hear that. Mm. Well, what about this? 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, look, you know, just take it up with Jesus. Right. <laughs> well, Father, does that mean that anything goes? No, it means we don't judge individuals. That's up to God. Well, does that mean, and it's mm -hmm. like, it, it is just amazing to me. And I think, mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's, I don't know who's, I don't want to say fault, but that's the church we've been living in for the last 20 years. It's just, it's all about judging and condemning and mm -hmm. not about an encounter with the risen one in our lives and this ongoing conversion. It's about judging other people and saying, who's a bad Catholic? Well, let's just stop that, shall we, church? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's listen, listen to the priest and the sister. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I just, um, I just want to say thanks for your great ministry over these years and that I'll keep praying for you, especially in your vocation work, which is so important. Thank you so much. It's a blessing and to be a co-worker in the vineyard with you. Father. Thank you. And one more thing, I'll ask your, your listeners um, yeah. if they would pray for me too, and if you would as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they want to follow your work, where should they look? Well, um, I have a Facebook page, which is under Father James Martin SJ. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram under James Martin SJ. And uh, my book, Learning to Pray, A Guide for Everyone, Everyone, will be out in February 2021. Great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I invite you to join me in this contemplative moment. Whereas my conversation with Father James explored the experience of being challenged and continual conversion, and Father James writes incredible prayers, I would like to read one he wrote called A Prayer for When I Feel Rejected from his book, Building a Bridge. If you can, I invite you to close your eyes and breathe deeply as you listen and pray. Notice if certain words or phrases stick out for you. Is there a particular message that God wants you to hear today? Loving God, you made me who I am. I praise you and I love you for I am wonderfully made in your own image. When people make fun of me, I feel hurt and embarrassed and even ashamed. So please, God, help me remember my own goodness, which lies in you. Help me remember my dignity, which you gave me when I was conceived. Help me remember that I can live a life of love because you created my heart. Be with me when people make me feel less than and help me to respond the way you would want me to, with a love that respects the other, but also respects me. Help me find friends who love me for who I am. Help me, most of all, to be a loving person. And God, help me remember that Jesus loves me, for he too was seen as an outcast. He too was understood. He too was beaten and spat upon. Jesus understands me and loves me with a special love because of the way you made me. And when I am feeling lonely, help me remember that Jesus welcomed everyone as a friend. Jesus reminded everyone that God loved them. Jesus encouraged everyone to embrace their dignity, even when others were blind to that dignity. 
Jesus loved everyone with the love that you gave him. And he loves me too. One more thing, God. Help me remember that nothing is impossible with you. That you have a way of making things better. That you can find a way of love for me, even if I can't see it right now. Help me remember all these things in the heart you created, loving God. Amen. That's another episode of Messy Jesus Business. Thanks for listening. Messy Jesus Business is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Sister Julia Walsh, with assistance from Cherish Budzinski. You can find us online at MessyJesusBusiness.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you like what you heard, could you please do a few things? Share with your friends, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, and leave us a review. Plus, I'd love it if you could support us on Patreon. Thanks! Messy Jesus Business is produced in partnership with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. You can learn more about our religious community and donate to our mission at www.fspa.org. Thanks. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, and I'll catch up with you next time. Until then, peace and all good.